The first reading comes from Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is heaven, in heaven or above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I am the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of, iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But showing your steadfast love to the thousandth, thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord. You shall not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not cover your neighbor's house, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the second chapter. Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. And they believe the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. The gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So a couple weeks ago we looked at Noah and the flood story. And we saw how God used the flood, not out of anger and punishment for people, but instead it was a symbol of new life, new birth, and how um, in the waters of the flood, God creates and recreates us. And then last week we talked about how Abraham and Sarah, their names were changed, and how God calls each and every one of us, and in our baptism, we are named and claimed by God. 
And this week, we seek to embody our new creation, our new names within the communities that we belong to. Here at church, as well as at school or work, we are called, we are named, we are claimed. In our families, we come together. And in order for us to fully live out our God's calling to us, we need to have a new order, a new structure, new guidance. Because, you know, if it was totally up to us, when we would try to live out this call by ourselves... We would always do something or something we shouldn't or, or we would forget to do something that we should do. Basically, we would sin and not live up to the life that God wants us to live up to. Because in our lives, there is some sort of misplaced desire or some sort of grief or some sort of reckless act that takes over where our new selves ought to be. And we find ourselves lost and maybe even afraid or confused about how we get there and where to go to next. I, I think I, I'm familiar with this because I have felt this before. Uh, you know, different times in my lives in high school or college or, or seminary or even as a pastor. When I have this vision of what should be happening around me. What should be happening in my, in my life and in the communities that I belong to. But it's not really happening that way. Have you ever felt like this before? When nothing happens the way that you envision them? And then you become frustrated or, or angry be, because you really care. You really have passion and you want to do things the right way. You want to do things a certain way. But it doesn't happen that way. And when this happens, we all begin to wander through life. We, and we lose ourselves. We lose um, our destination. We may even lose God at some points in our lives. And we forget what we know. And we cling to our grief and our loss. Now, this is not necessarily a new thing. I mean, this, is thing, this has happened throughout generations since the beginning of time. And, and we really see that with the Israelites in our first reading today. You know, when we get to, to the 20th chapter in Exodus, Israel has been liberated from slavery in Egypt. And they are walking out into the wilderness to the promised land. The people have encountered, you know, thirst and, and hunger. And there were, was mumbling and grumbling about how God has abandoned them. But then God provided bread, manna from heaven. God provided water from the rocks. And we, we really see that God loves his people. God wanted to be there with them. God wanted to help them. So God makes a covenant with them. God says that the Israelites will be his treasured possession. They will be a holy nation. This covenant isn't unlike the one that he, he made with Noah or with Abraham and Sarah. You see, God says that God loves the Israelites. God says that he will make them his people. And, and God gives them an opportunity to live this out in the guidelines and the commandments that he gives to them. This is a mutual covenant with the Israel people. The commandments aren't something new though. God has, is not creating some new rules for people to follow. Actually, I don't really see them as rules to follow. 
They are guidelines on how we are to nurture our relationship with God and with one another. God wants his people to be happy to live in relationship, in community with each other. So we look at the commandments and the way God frames them and we see how God both connects with the recreation covenant of Noah and the naming covenant with Abraham and Sarah. Because the God who appeared to Noah, the God who appeared to Abraham and Sarah is the same God who appears to Moses now. It's the same God that comes to you and to me. In in Exodus 20, in verse 4, the language of heaven above and earth below and the water under the earth is the same type of language that we see in the creation story. The God who separated those waters in creation is the same God who is worthy of worship. The commandment to remember the Sabbath refers to the first creation narrative when God is resting on the seventh day. The people are doing the same thing that God did. In these ways, the the text demonstrates that God is the creator and that the people are the ones who are created. And the harmony and the order that God established in the creation is once again established through this new community in the Israelites. They needed the commandments just as we need them. We need direction. We need guidance. We need to know how we can act together as a community of Christ. God gave the commandments out of love, not out of obedience. And we can try, you know, we can give a good effort and and, and know that we are going to, to follow the commandments just as God laid out them for us. But eventually we'll fail. You know, I've experienced this time and time again every time Apple launches a new product. You know, I know that in April they're going to come out with the the Apple Watch. And I know that I'm going to be watching as it comes out. And I know that I'm not going to be able to get one. I know that when I watch and see people, I, I, I need to wait. But then I begin to covet. I begin to covet what I don't have. And I'm aware of my feelings, and I know if I linger on, I I may have some problems with that. But just like any other time that we put things before God, if we say, you know, a white lie to someone, or if we take something that doesn't belong to us, what happens in that act is that God is not going to come down and say, say, I'm not going to love you anymore because this is what you have done. Instead, it really eats at us. It makes us start to feel bad. And then... That feeling gets in the way, puts up barriers between our relationship with God and with other people. We begin to build walls. And that is not the purpose of commandments. That is not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the commandments is not to make us feel bad. They are to help us in our relationships. You know, if we think about it, the first three commandments inform us of how to be in relationship with God. You you should not have any other gods. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And you need to keep the Sabbath. You know, we should have no other gods. We should not put the Apple company or, or anything else before God. We should not speak badly about God. And we should spend time each week in prayer and thanksgiving for all the blessings that we have in our life. The fourth through eighth commandments help us in our relationship between people. 
No stealing, no lying. Be faithful, don't kill anybody. Honor your father and mother. That's one of my favorites, especially when I talk to my kids. And the last two concern our private thoughts. So when we are given these guidelines, we are given these rules by God, God wants us to fulfill them and be faithful to them. But the reality is that we are not going to be faithful. We are going to mess up and we are not going to follow them. Even if we go our entire lives without killing anybody, there are going to be times when we do not take the Sabbath. There are going to be times when we put other things before God. There are going to be times when we covet something else that someone has. And God knows that. And God is going to love us anyway. Even though we try to make some commandments more important than others, they are all the same in God's eyes. And God is going to love us all the same. God has established covenants with God's people. And, we, and as we continue the story, we see that God's people do not abide by the covenants. The Israelites, they get these commandments by Moses. They get them directly from God. And yet they do not follow them as soon as they get them. And God tries over and over and over again to bring this covenant, to, to restore this covenant with God's people. And he knows eventually that there's nothing that he can do from above. So God becomes one of us in Jesus Christ. It is in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus that the eternal covenant is established. It is in Christ that we are named and claimed as God's own. It is in Christ that we are given a new life, a new identity, a new calling to be the people of God, called and sent to proclaim the promises of God. The promises that that God continues to be with us, the promise of new life, of a new name, of a new creation. And that God is going to be leading us and guiding us, loving us and forgiving us to help us build a relationship with God and one another so we can go out and respond to God's love to the whole world. Amen.